Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Perhaps you remember that Italian spaghetti western, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which featured three individuals to personify those three qualities, with Clint Eastwood as the good guy, Lee Van Cleef as the bad guy, and Eli Wallach as the ugly guy, uh, with reference to ugly spirit. Well, as far as I see it, all three of these are rolled up into one man with President Donald Trump. No, not that he (laughs) exemplifies heroism or heroicness, but the good, the best about Donald Trump. I'm sure there'd be some disagreement about what is the best, but I'd say the unconventional risk-taking wheeler dealer entrepreneur par excellence, even though I don't view that as uh, noble (laughs) or honorable or whatever, but supposedly extremely adroit and outstandingly successful, purportedly. And then there's the bad. And you may disagree with me on which one is the bad and which one is the ugly. But the bad, I'd say, the fellow who always manages to use other people's money to finance his schemes, his wheeling and dealing. So he's a perfect fit for a political office holder. And then what I state as being the ugly is the fellow who is so exceedingly lacking in not just knowledge, but character, integrity, virtue, godliness, such as godly wisdom, which bodes disastrously ill for this nation and for good people around the world. Well, we are still within the first 100 days of our newly minted president. And President Trump has shifted, has changed course variously thus far. Uh, For instance, formerly he was supposedly looking forward to working cooperatively with Putin's Russian Federation, Putin's regime, strongman regime over Russia. But he was taking a comparatively aggressive confrontational tact with red China, with bloody red communist China, and he described it as constituting a menace to the United States of America. Well, his current positions are a bit different from that. Now he views Putin's regime as being in serious need of very firm dealing indeed. Meanwhile, he insists that he has forged a very close bond, quote, an outstanding relationship, 
end quote, with Xi Jinping, the Chinese Communist General Secretary, a.k.a. President. You know, it sounds so much more democratic to say president, to be called president. And that he has, quote, made tremendous progress, end quote, with Xi Jinping. And of course, therefore, with his bloody red communist Chinese regime. After having met privately with him for two days at Trump's estate, his modest, humble little estate down in Florida. Well, as outstanding as this relationship is, according to our president, and as tremendous as the progress has been, according to our president, he says that the United States and China can continue to develop this relationship. So it can go from mountaintop to mountaintop, I suppose, and that all of those things that he was concerned about before that would become big problems or were big problems, that those are all going to just fade away now. We don't have to worry about those things. Now, mind you, those things that there was reason for concern about, those things which he campaigned against... (laughs) They did not include the vicious, ruthless, brutal, torturous, murderous persecution of Christians throughout the entirety of China. Directed by none other than his new best friend, BFF, Xi Jinping. Strange about that. Well, for me, the best thing about Trump is that he isn't Obama, he isn't Biden, he isn't Clinton, he isn't Rodham Clinton. That's the best thing about him. The best. (laughs) And that is why it was necessary to elect him Instead of the alternative. I'm sure you've seen coverage with regard to you know, the latest faux pas from his very serious and professional press secretary, Sean Spicer, who is now away, but not AWOL. He's away taking care of his reservist duty. <laughs> rather, rather conspicuously convenient timing, I would think. But anyway, dear old Sean Spicer, his incredible, breathtaking remarks regarding Hitler and Assad, including the following quote, 
someone as despicable as Hitler didn't even sink to using chemical weapons. End quote. Well, after the brouhaha over these astonishingly stupid statements, he then attempted to backpedal from that. He stated the following, quote, I mistakenly used an inappropriate and insensitive reference to the Holocaust, to which there is frankly no comparison, end quote. So this fellow, Sean Spicer, if you've seen him, you know he's not some wet-behind-the-ears green kid that they pulled out of the campaign who was some volunteer or some such as that, some low, low-ranking beginner, newbie, neophyte. No. Far from it. But did he, in his apology, correct the record? Did he say, I don't know what I was thinking, I must have been smoking something, to say something as profoundly stupid as what I said? No, it was just that, well, I'm sorry to have said something insensitive and inappropriate. You know, to have hurt anybody's feelings, I'm really sorry about that. So what do President Trump and his press secretary imagine that Adolf Hitler's SS used to murder six million Christians and six million Jews, yes, 12 million, for those who are counting, in the concentration camp? What do you imagine they used to murder these people in the concentration camps? The crematoriums were used after the fact. They were used after the people were poisoned to death by cyanide and other poisonous gas concoctions in the so-called showers. The ignorance and stupidity of Spicer and his boss, President Trump, is beyond imagination. The reason he was selected for this position was his ability to handle the task, which required knowledge, broad knowledge, and some degree, however shallow, of depth of knowledge. In the case of Sean Spicer and his boss, extremely shallow depth of knowledge. The press secretary in every administration is joined at the hip with the president and is directly answerable to the president. Yes, there's a communications director, and there's a whole bureaucratic structure. There's speechwriters and the rest. But the press secretary 
is the face of the administration on a day-to-day basis. And it's hilarious, as far as I'm concerned, that Trump selected such an incompetent press secretary. He could have selected Kellyanne. He could have selected Monica. But no, there were little issues, you know, with a little flapola there uh, with with Monica, which was surprising. And I disagree with Monica Crowley greatly about some things. I am astonished at her, her blindness and ignorance of some things, despite her wonderful advanced degrees. That's the beauty of advanced education. Not just higher education, but highest education. You know, the master's degrees, which are then capped with the PhDs. Who is it that's in charge of the instruction at these levels? Well, there's a certain amount of independent study, of course. But it is leftist history-revising profs, virtually without exception, especially at the Harvards and Yales and Princetons and Columbias and so on and so forth. But really, pretty much across the board, whether it is university in Massachusetts or down in lowly Alabama, It's still leftist history revising, anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-humane profs, usually. There are exceptions here and there, and you certainly are more likely to have those exceptions at a University of Alabama than you are at a Harvard University. But I digress. Monica Crowley was on the cusp of being selected, really had been selected, but then she had to step down. (laughs) It was the shortest assignment ever. Had to step down because of embarrassing developments. Well, Kellyanne Conway knows her way around this beat and could be handling it masterfully, despite all the extremely aggressive attacks that have been made against Kellyanne. But instead, we have Sean Spicer, who is, as far as I'm concerned, he is uh, altogether too much like Donald Trump (laughs) to be in the position You need somebody who is more substantive than Sean Spicer and somebody who's more substantive than the president. But, oh well. Speaking of the presidents, and we'll get back to uh, his wonderful relationship with communist Chinese leaders, the leaders of that 
monstrous regime momentarily. But first, let me digress and just mention this, share this. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, and Eleanor Roosevelt, who was who was a little bit of a co-president in some respects, if you look at the way that FDR employed her. Uh, not as much as the second wife of Woodrow Wilson, who actually ended up taking the reins and who was a a forerunner of Hillary Rodham Clinton. But FDR and Eleanor were still a one-two punch. It wasn't just the president and the first lady. No, no. Well, they sided with Uncle Joe, with Stalin. They sided with monstrous communist dictator Joseph Stalin, which was not his true name, but against Winston Churchill, as did FDR's successor, Harry Truman. You know, Harry, the buck stops here, Truman, following FDR's death. They preferred Stalin's communism, his vicious, ruthless, murderous communist regime that slaughtered more than 60 million people. This Soviet regime, more than 60 million people, the overwhelming majority in Russia, and it uh, set an example for all of the other nations that were incorporated. But the landmarks, the borders have shifted, have changed over time. A great deal of the bloodletting was in Ukraine. And a great many, an inordinate number of those slaughtered were white Russians, so-called. Lest that be confusing to those who think in terms of white, black, and so on and so forth, that's not what it's referring to. (laughs) But FDR and Eleanor preferred Joseph Stalin's monstrous communism his communist regime, they preferred that to Churchill, to Winston Churchill, and the former greatly declining British Empire, the United Kingdom. They preferred Uncle Joe. And the fruit of this preference was seen with Yalta, so forth that we had, after the end of World War II, the complicity of the United States of America in enabling Uncle Joe to enslave all of Eastern Europe. 
and to crush it and to destroy it, to keep it in chains for decade upon decade upon decade upon decade. But dear old FDR and Eleanor, their hearts were in the right place. Evans. Well, the Soviet Union communist regime empire was finally brought down thanks to not whom your history books will tell you that it was thanks to, not thanks to George Herbert Walker Bush, number 41, no, but thanks to Ronald Reagan. Now, I don't mind if credit is given to various other individuals out there, but this was Ronald Reagan's doing. He was used not by lobbyists, not by insiders on Capitol Hill. He was used by God to bring down that monstrous, hellish, evil, satanic regime. Well, FDR's and Eleanor's preference, strong preference for Stalin and communism to the United Kingdom, predated Barack Hussein Obama's virulent preference for communism, Islamofascism, Islam, to America and to Christianity and to the founders, the true founders of this nation, as well as those referred to as the founding fathers, as well as the Declaration of Independence, as well as the Constitution of the United States of America, as well as the military of the United States of America, and as well as the good and godly people in the United States of America. They predated Obama and Team Obama. They predated Bill and Hillary. But our current president, It reminds me, again, I mentioned previously, but it reminds me so much of George W.'s charm offensive. and, And you find this with these people that are in these high and mighty positions. It's so, so, so exceedingly rare to find someone who attains to that level of political power that is not vain to the core. Conceited, arrogant, there are other terms, narcissistic, and so on and so forth, but it's very rare to find somebody who's not like that, and Ronald Reagan wasn't like that. Donald Trump is. But George W. was. And this is something that there's 
not a corner on the market of this kind of vanity and self-love on the left. You find it right across the board. But what is referred to as the right is not the right. It's somewhere in the middle. (laughs) But George W.'s schmoozing campaigns, George W.'s charm offensives, he flattered himself that he could just win over anybody. He honestly thought that he had succeeded in winning over Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin just spit on you. Vladimir Putin is just a much smoother, much slicker Nikita Khrushchev. And frankly, I think a more menacing Nikita Khrushchev. (laughs) But Nikita Khrushchev was pretty menacing too. Remember him yelling that we'll bury you. And he was deadly serious about it. But but George W. thought, oh, well, I've won him over. (laughs) He's my bud. He's my boy. Like that very special relationship that Bill Clinton and former British Prime Minister Tony Blair had this special, special relationship. They were just so close. Well, Ronald Reagan had a close relationship in some regards with Margaret Thatcher of Great Britain. They certainly agreed on some things. (laughs) And they... They worked cooperatively on some things, but that's not to say that they were exactly connected at the hip. They certainly were not. But this wonderful, wonderful new friend, new toy, this shiny new toy of Donald Trump's, the communist Chinese regime, his buddy, his friend, his pal, and ours, Going to share more about that folly after this statement. That is, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All Is Said and Done. In case you joined the program after the initial introduction, that's who I am, that's what this program is. Donald Trump imagines, fancies that he, in two days' time, has won over the communist regime of China. And they're best friends, closest friends. They're in his hip pocket now. The vanity of that is beyond any way to measure it. It is just so extraordinary. I cannot conceive, cannot imagine that. The vanity that it takes for him 
to delude himself that way. But it's also a function of the stupidity and gross ignorance, gross historical ignorance. Anywhere you look in the world since the inception of socialism, through all of its permutations, communism and fascism and Islamofascism, you will find that there is a long timeline, a long perspective. Now, Islamofascism, interestingly enough, even though it is fascist, it predates socialism by a lot. Muhammad was the original fascist in a sense, but, but there were lots of others. They just didn't, you know, actually form it into a coherent real politic philosophy. That's all. But all of the elements were there. Going back a long way. <laughs> Going back to Rome, what have you Fascism has been around a long time. And Muhammad was a great plagiarist. He was a great assimilator, taking from here and from there and from the other place and bringing it together and coming up with this wizardry combination concoction of his this nuclear cocktail in which he imitated Christianity imitated the Bible imitated Jewry But as far as the Christianity that he imitated, he, he imitated Catholic Christianity and the Roman Catholic Church. But to his ends, in order to present himself as being religious, <laughs> spiritual, that was necessary. These were the examples to use. But he was a fascist from the get-go. As vicious, as ruthless, as torturous, as murderous, as rapacious as any fascist or communist that there's ever been. That is the heart, the core of Islam. Oh, this religion of peace. No. <laughs> no. Believe what you will, but no. But it's a long timeline. It's a long end game. Not only with communism and fascism, but with the Orient with China, 
with Asia, with China, Japan, Korea, the Orient, the Eastern, I hesitate to say mindset, but I'll say it, mindset, the Eastern thinking, very different. And it takes a very long, very disciplined view. Meanwhile, here in the West, what is Donald Trump's time frame? It's like that of so many who have come through the business schools. You know, like George W. getting his MBA at Harvard after managing to graduate from Yale. Donald Trump with his MBA from Wharton at University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. So that time frame is quarter to quarter. Quarter being a quarter of a year. Three months. I mean, those who take a really long view, they may look all of a year ahead. But more often than not, it's not being able to see beyond the end of their nose. It's a quarter. It's what you find in Hollywood with the new television programs. They create a pilot. And then maybe a few episodes to follow it or several episodes to follow it. Well, if the pilot bombs, they pull the plug on the whole thing. If they get mixed reviews, mixed reactions, and they've only aired the pilot in two episodes, boom, it's gone. They'll just pull it midstream. (laughs) Just with extraordinary rapidity. They will do these things. And it's the same with businesses across America that are being run by these wizards with their MBAs and such, but who are devoid. So very, very, very many of them are devoid of godly character and integrity, just like Good old Enron. Enron was not a great exception, a great anomaly. It was standard operating procedure, as is seen with the big investment bankers in Wall Street. But Donald Trump, he has this, I hesitate hesitate to say fatal flaw because He is cheesecloth. He has so many of them. It's not a fatal flaw. He has a boatload of fatal flaws. But but this is combined. The ignorance of, and I have very little understanding of it, but the total, complete vacuum Total ignorance concerning the Orient, concerning the East, concerning Asia, concerning their history, concerning what is their perspective? How far ahead are they looking? How patient are they 
to accomplish their ends. And you combine that with communism, which has the same thing, the same patience, the same discipline. They will wait and wait and wait out their opponents until they have achieved a point at which they are convinced victory is theirs. It's akin to Sun Tzu and the art of war and on it goes. But dear President Trump thinks that after meeting privately at his estate in Florida with the general secretary of the communist regime, the bloody red communist regime of mainland China, that he's won him over. He's his buddy. He's his pal. He'll do his bidding for him. It is just profoundly idiotic. It, uh, Extraordinarily deluded. Self-delusion. And yet, he imagines that that's the case. Uh, (laughs) I do not know how it's possible. I just don't. Don't know how it is possible. But, he does. And then there is the matter of his surrounding himself with people that don't have any better sense than that. Sean Spicer is a graphic example of that. Well, previous administration such as that of George W., number 43, pounded away at certain tenets to persuade the American people of certain core lies. And this has been going on for a long time. It certainly goes back to Jimmy Carter, James Earl Carter, Jr., U.S. Navy retired, but uh, dear old trust me, Jimmy. That our enemies that we needed to be concerned about, even though Jimmy was president during the Cold War, still he was involved in this matter of shrinking the military. Shrinking the military. Because we didn't have to concern ourselves about then Soviet Union and bloody red communist China. Oh, no. Those weren't superpowers. Just us. We're the big guy. We're the the 800-pound gorilla. We're the sole world superpower. So we just needed to concern ourselves about these renegade 
operators like, you know, this dictator, this banana republic dictator and that one and so forth. We don't need any major military to deal with them. Well, there was enormous necessity to bring the communist regime down. And had it not been for Ronald Reagan, it would not have come down. Do not imagine that I just love and worship Ronald Reagan. I don't. I don't. If I'd been in Congress when he was president, I would have asked that he be impeached. But that's, we could talk about that another day. <laughs> it was no, And no, not pertaining to Contra. Absolutely not pertaining to Contra. But, but Ronald Reagan is greatly criticized for having spent so much on the military. Oh my gosh, he spent so much and he didn't solve the problem with the economy. No, Bill Clinton did. Hogwash. Sometimes these things take a while to take effect. Reagan had to spend the Soviet Union under the table to break the back of communism in the Soviet regime. There was no way on earth that that spending in the near term was going to result in resolution of all of the aspects of the economic quagmire that we were in with our famously, trust me, Jimmy Carter and his malaise and turning the thermostat down and wearing sweaters and being resigned to it just being a colder, darker, smaller, poorer United States of America. But the Clintons, Bill and Hillary Rodham Clinton, greatly promoted this. The matter of we needed a smaller, lighter, nimbler, quicker response military. We no longer needed major military power, whether that was armament whether that was Navy, Air Force, any of the above. We didn't need that. We needed special forces, and we needed a militarized police force nationwide to go after our real enemies, meaning the Christians, the Christian militias, the homeschoolers, all of the really bad people while they worked hand in glove with the Islamists, what have you. But they did their level best to destroy the military inside out. But it goes back to Jimmy Carter, goes back to the Supreme Court, 
the feminization, the neutering and feminization of the military, and also doing their best to stamp out Christianity in the military, bring in everything else, Satanism and Islam and you name it. But we were the sole world superpower. We were sold that bill of goods for ages. Russia was just this rusty, broken down, debilitated, impoverished relic that would never raise its head again. And communist China, okay, they've got their million-man army or two-million-man army, whatever it is, or man-and-woman army, but they have nothing to go with it, just like all of the biggest armies in the world. Just a lot of bodies that can never win the day against us and our technical superiority. And then we got George W. and Team Bush. And they carefully indoctrinated the United States of America that, again, we're the sole world superpower. But even though we're the sole world superpower, that just like the regime administration under his dad, in between Reagan and the Clintons, that we had to have this worldwide confederation in order to take any action. And that Islam is good and of God and peace-loving, peaceful, legitimate, honorable, true, And it is just this extreme, tiny, splinter cell here or there that has hijacked Islam and perverted Islam, as Condoleezza Rice and Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney and George W. all taught us for eight years before... Barack Hussein Obama and Team Obama, Regime Obama, Thugocracy Obama came in and continued that. But now we have Donald Trump, who supposedly knows better, and he imagines that North Korea is just some rogue regime, you know, from that terrible axis of evil of George W.'s. You remember? You know, Iran, Iraq, North Korea, that terrible axis of evil. I mean, you could have made it, could have added a few others, you know, Syria and Libya, you know, a few others. Uh, But... It's just this rogue regime. And so Donald Trump, after chatting with the general secretary of bloody red China for two days at his estate, imagines now that, well, China's on our side. And Russia, may we may not be as cozy with Putin's regime 
as we have become with the communist Chinese regime overnight, but still, they're still reasonable people. They're still on our side. No, they're not going to back North Korea. No, it's just a rogue regime. Well, that rogue regime is a creation of communist China and the former Soviet Union. To this day, it is still a puppet, a marionette. It is still a straw man being used by these two. And Putin's regime does not concern itself with whether it is bedfellows with communist China. And communist China doesn't concern itself with whether it loves Vladimir Putin. They have common cause. And they work together to accomplish their ends. And their ends would amount to dividing up the world between them. Now, I don't believe for a single solitary moment that's going to happen that way because I know that the world will not be divided into into two separate regimes. It will be one world regime. (laughs) That's not an improvement. It's just a statement of fact, but uh, historical fact because it's in the Bible. But, But still in all, our president and his team imagine that North Korea is this bad dude rogue regime that we need to get tough with now. We can no longer tolerate. So we're going to show them who's boss and we send an armada, Trump said. Trump called it an armada. (laughs) Well, a strike force, a little strike force with... Nimitz-class aircraft carrier Carl Vinson and two missile destroyers. No, they don't destroy missiles. They use missiles instead of guns. And a guided missile cruiser that uses cruise missiles. But cruiser pertains to the size and class of the ship, not that. And then Donald Trump says, well, we have... You know, bigger guns than this. It's not the ships. It's the submarines that are with them. Yes, we have significant advanced submarines. But, you know, sometimes quantity can be almost as important as quality. And North Korea has the largest Submarine force in the world, bar none. But anyway, as far as I see it, we will have engagement sometime soon that United States of America will launch a conventional attack on North Korea, thinking that it has the cooperation, the backing of China and Russia. And China and Russia will stay out of it at first. They'll see how things go. (laughs) Uh, But that doesn't mean that they will stay on the sidelines indefinitely. And when you have 
such wise, godly leadership as that of Donald Trump, it does not make me feel any too confident, shall we say. But that's me. I have more to share on that subject and on the evils of communist China in the next program. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.